0: Welcome to the Charity Network News Podcast, inspiring you to make the world a better place. Our host is Lex Lumiere, an award-winning therapeutic artist whose family legacy includes over a hundred years of art exhibits and providing artwork for international nonprofit fundraisers. In our show, you'll hear mind-blowing interviews from philanthropy leaders or creative souls, as well as news and insights to help you make a positive impact in your community. Now let's jump into your daily dose of juice. Please join us in creating excellence
1: Good afternoon. My name is Lex Sumera I'm a citizen artist with the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture, and today I'm here with Dr. Gwen Foster. Uh, she does amazing naturopathic medicine. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey. I mean, what inspired you to become a doctor?
2: Oh, my health. You know, like a lot of people in natural health, we get here. It's called wounded healer. So <laughs> starting in the late 80s and early 90s, I had a lot of health issues and I um, was on a lot of medication. I was on nine medications a day and very high doses of Mm -hmm. antibiotics. I mean, not antibiotics, steroids and asthma inhalers. And and back then I couldn't do this. I couldn't, I couldn't exercise. I couldn't like do a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was very tired and my body hurt all the time. I ultimately was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. I had, um, you know, in my, my I think I was 28, um, but definitely by 30, I had been diagnosed with Hashimoto's. I had several autoimmune things going on. And back then, they just gave you a ton of steroids. And I've even heard this recently with lupus that, you know, if it's 30 pills a day of, of prednisone, you get 30 pills a day. And so, I thought that that wasn't still going on until I heard someone else's interview recently. And I thought that they had decided that was a bad idea Mm -hmm. for your liver. So my liver was in pretty bad shape. And um, as things go, I learned that when I hear about something three times, I act on it. And I was Mm -hmm. at Centerpoint in Houston. We were just talking about Centerpoint. And I saw a flyer for Hannah Kroger's place in Boulder, which I found out later. They had no idea there was a flyer at Centerpoint for their place. Really? Right. And then a friend of mine... Exactly. A friend of mine said, hey, have you heard of this woman named Hannah Kroger? And another person showed me her the book, Help One Another. And then I thought, I'm, I'm meant to go to Boulder. Well, that changed my life. So that changed my life from the physical perspective, but there was still emotional stuff that I realized was going on. And uh, I went to Sedona and learned hypnosis, neuro-linguistic programming and, and coaching. Okay. Okay. That took me the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. So after those two big things, I decided to go back to school and I got a double degree bachelor's in natural health and a doctor of naturopathy. And it was because I'm a junkie in education. I'm a junkie in knowledge. So everybody has an addiction. Mine happens to be to information. And, Mm -hmm. um, and my first degree out of high school was electronics. And so that became perfect because I started a software company in, in, 2010, 2009, and it's called New Vision and it's health scanning software, and that's what I do every day. So I kind of have been really lucky in that, also, synchronicity. I've met some amazing people that kind of I met these guys in the Netherlands that did software and I met these, uh, you know, kind of amazing programming people. And then Mm -hmm. I met some amazing people in China and then I met some amazing people just all over. And so everything to me, I felt like I was very guided, um, in many ways. Yeah. And so now I feel Mm -hmm. amazing. I'm 59 years old. I feel amazing. I feel better than I felt in my thirties and forties. Forties was pretty good. Fifties has been excellent and I have no complaints, you know, so I don't take any medications. So for people that think, like I was on lupus medications, adult onset asthma, acid reflux, Um, like I said, I couldn't do a lot of things, fatigue, fibromyalgia. If, If you're a person that thinks that the conventional medicine route is your only choice. It's not. And that's really why I went back to school because I felt like, I mean, I was just a normal person. I didn't even know what natural health was. I didn't know what echinacea was. I didn't know even what ginger I, mean, I had wow. ginger ale, but you know, I didn't know what any of these things were. So it was amazing. And then I felt like, why doesn't everybody know this? You know, Mm -hmm. why aren't we taught this, like, out of school or in college or wherever? We're we're not taught anything about our bodies. Mm -hmm. About how it runs. mm -hmm. So that's how I got here. So interesting. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Spring Branch, um, mostly. I was born in Austin, and I lived in Boulder. Ultimately, also synchronicity, I went to run Hannah Kroger's retreat in Boulder, and I was in uh, Colorado for six years, and that was amazing. I mean, super amazing. And um, I came back to Houston, Boulder this weekend. I still go all the time. I still go to the retreat all the time. So that was just, to me, not even a job at the retreat. That mm-hmm. was a blessing. You know, that was just right. a, I don't know what that was. That was just a, a dream come true. So it was pretty cool. Well, community is amazing because you never know
1: who you're going to be. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, and every time I go there, I meet really cool new people. Like I really mm-hmm. wish there was a place like that in Houston or in central Texas. I don't know of one. I know of places that have classes and stuff like that. Um, less and less actually than more. But I feel like if there was a retreat like that, I mean, different than Ojai, this is a place where people kind of pop in, pop out Mm -hmm. people that went there 20, 30, 40 years ago, still drop by. I don't know of a place like that here, you know, that has that, Real community spirit is pretty awesome, right? Yeah, because a lot of people go to Esalen out in California,
1: in Northern California, mm-hmm. and I know, um, or they dis- disappear at different spas and things. But there's really not a lot of retreat centers in Texas. Right, that's a dream of mine though. I'd love to have like a PTSD
2: and trauma recovery center, Me but too. more holistic. You know, more. Mine would be organic. more towards kids. You know, special. Mm-hmm kids that's probably where i would want to spend time and energy because i think there's a lot of them now and actually oh, yeah. that's where i think that i could really help in a big way as more with kids and in an environment that mm-hmm. kind of like not really montessori and not really um uh is it monarch i forgot what the other one's called but um you know, that's a good education place, but I'm right. talking about these kids that now a lot of them are super gifted and mm-hmm. super sensitive and super empathic. And there's not really a place. It's not the same as a summer camp. I'm talking right. about a place to really develop get, them. Right. Right. to So there really can be mm-hmm. who they are in their essence and really be cool kids. But right now they're just like trying to fit in with and they don't a lot of times don't fit in but anyway that's a whole other subject well and i the other thing that's interesting about that is like all the indigo children that's what I'm talking turning about. 21 this year mm-hmm.
1: they're all turning 21 and they all have these intuitive gifts and the thing i find interesting about ptsd is it accelerates all those intuitive gifts that people have but
2: mm-hmm. that
1: are in their family or in their bloodlines and so they don't always know what to do with them <laughs> you know but they're at an age where you
2: can still teach them mm-hmm. you know and they can learn how to use their gifts And I do think there's kids older than 21, but also there's rainbow kids and crystal Mm -hmm. kids and kids that are just magnificent and not, and there's not a name for them. You know, they're just special. Um, one thing I'll say to anyone out there listening is that a lot of these kids that are sensitive and empathic, you know, that by the time they get to 21 or get to even you know early teen years, they're usually labeled. As something and they're usually medicated um, you know because they don't conform or one thing or another but the other thing that's happening with these kids is a lot of times they go to drugs and alcohol to numb their stuff you know their gifts and so I've had a lot of clients that are you know college kids and high school kids that are fairly depressed and anxious right now because They don't have a way to deal with all their feelings and they have a lot of feelings and they have a lot of intuition. So I would just say that there's a lot going on that like regular, you know, soccer moms don't know that's going on with Mm -hmm. their kid and the kids don't know what's going on either because no one around them is talking about it. But that is something that is prevalent. And I would say, if you have one of these kids, you can go on Google and just Google rainbow kids or crystal kids. Indigos are more in your face. They're more system busters, you know, they're (laughs) anti-government, anti-school, anti this, that. They're very confrontational. But the rainbow yeah. and the crystal kids are way more sensitive, you know, very sensitive to criticism, very sensitive to punishment. I mean, you know, any legitimate or not punishment, you know, if they think that they did something wrong, they're just crushed, right? And have a hard time, you know, sometimes recovering. But the big thing that you'll notice with these kids is they need time alone. You know, they they need time to decompress. They need time to slough off the energy from all the people that, you know, they they are like little magnets and sponges
1: absolutely and you know what i wonder too is like how the pandemic has affected them because there's so much energy moving through the community you know and it's not necessarily the lightest of energy mm. you know and that if you're empathic that's a lot to deal with if you don't know how to wield your gifts you know one the one of the things i found fascinating uh for a long time i uh taught therapeutic arts at the homeless shelters with the children and you know trying to help them creatively work out their processes of what that is and they're so gifted like amazingly gifted like they would draw something and it would happen like the next day it was just, it was phenomenal. Some of the You're things about talking about, about it. intuitive gifted. Yes, mm-hmm. very gifted and gifted in many different ways, but, you know, seeing them work through those processes. And I just wonder, you know, do these, do these young people have those processes to work through? Because if, I think if the arts were more readily available in that way, they might not always turn it out on drugs. Cause it's another way to like process your pain or deal with your intuitive abilities without, you know toxifying yourself or, you know, your environment.
2: Mm -hmm. and these kids are very much affected by worldly everything but that starts at home are the parents Mm -hmm. like covid crazy paranoid or Mm -hmm. the you know (laughs) freaking out are they screaming at the tv over the politics are they worried about money you know every single thing that is in that uh, let's start with the household every single thing that the mom and dad are going through You know i work with little kids that their their top issue is showing money a five-year-old should not have money issues like in their scans it shouldn't have like a um that shouldn't even be in their field they should have no concept of being worried about covid or the vaccine Mm -hmm. or whatever but and and this is sometimes unsaid but also like i'm around plenty of young moms and they are pretty clueless about you know, what they talk about in the car with the kids in the backseat, little bitty kids are super perceptive. Like even one and two year olds and moms are talking about their husband and their this and that and their job. And, you know, and I'm like, filter, hello, your kids in the backseat, the fear-based stuff, you know, and just, uh, well, their views on everything which is filtering over to that child. But when you're talking about these sensitive kids, they're way more impacted. And right. and I mean, even just like me and you sitting here next to each other, but these kids are affected also by their teachers and the the kids. And I'm not just talking about in person. I'm talking about on zoom.
1: Right. No, absolutely. About, technology. You
2: know, oh yeah. Zoom is still, Like people think, oh, well, they're not next to them. They're not gonna take on their stuff. They're definitely taking on their stuff through Zoom. And so are all empaths, you know, so they have to have that way to unplug. But I think parents have to be really super aware of what the kids exposed to if, if CNN or MSNBC is playing in the background in the living room the kids still getting it they're still getting all that right. nice and if they fall asleep to the
1: television that's like hypnotizing mm-hmm. so whatever comes on exactly and, you know the news isn't always light and fluffy and you know even in the media we have a responsibility to kind of safeguard children's innocence Is how I feel about it because it, what I've noticed with this generation and my sisters who have children is that there is no filter with what they'll talk about. And I'm like, that's adult conversation. Like, let's kind of get that away from them because some children shouldn't hear that. And it really is protecting their innocence through media and television and stuff. To so separate, you know, the wheat from the chaff, as they say, you know, that all the junk that's
2: happening in the world shouldn't be burdensome to them, you know? Right. And I think it's that that is so true because people don't even think they're negative, but they're mm-hmm. negative all the time. And like right. one observation is someone i know pretty well and she's very critical about a lot of things and she talks badly about mm-hmm. her husband and i'm sure she does it
0: you know mm-hmm. on facetime and her to kids in the background
2: yeah. well what the kid's hearing is my dad is a piece of dirt and mm-hmm. it's almost like dealing with a narcissist you know a narcissist will it, it's it's a form of manipulation but moms are I'm not saying mom I mean kids are with their moms more than their dads generally moms don't mean to do it Mm -hmm. but they're they're brainwashing their kids Mm -hmm. into believing something about the other parent or about government or about Biden or about Trump or about whoever and it's it starts when they're little bitty and Mm -hmm. and anyway so people I think Need a lot of people I talk to don't think they're negative, but they can sit here and and Mm -hmm. tell me twenty things and nineteen of them are negative.
1: Right, but they'll also
2: say, "No, I'm a very positive, upbeat person," and I'm like. Mm-mm.
1: Or they'll run, you know, they'll just kind of run their racket, which is when they go into their complaint mode and they don't even realize they, that they're doing it sometimes. But I think with children, you have to be so careful with that because they don't understand everything that's happening in the world. And just the pandemic, what the transition, I, I see it in, in my nieces and nephews, the transition of not being able to be with their friends or have fun, you know, to try to create that environment where they're playing and they're playing basketball or running with their friends or in the swimming pool, you know, just to get their mind off of what's happening in the world and I, I don't watch the news around them you know that's something that i'll you know, catch after the monks told me to have watch news after lunch and before dinner <laughs> you know if you're going to catch an hour that's when you catch it so you know to just kind of protect their innocence in that way and i think it's important mm-hmm. you know and you're absolutely right we shouldn't be venting to them they're not our psychologists right right you know they're they're really not they're a little people bit- they should just be able to be kids
2: mm-hmm. and not have it-
1: to worry Right, call hotline for that. Mm-hmm. So, tell me a little bit about your software for New Vision. Um, tell me about it and what it does.
2: Okay, so it's an it's an AI software and it's a it's matching technology. So, I should start with how this all started, the progression of this technology. Okay. Because twenty years ago, when I got into health, I was using something called QXCI, and then QXCI became Skio, and then Skio became Indigo. Funny enough, and then I had a live system, and then I had a core system, and I trained other people how to use these technologies. And someone made this connection for me. I didn't even at first understand why I was so drawn to them, but it was mm-hmm. probably the early electronics background. But they they were all based on random number generator technologies. If anyone's ever had an, an appointment with a naturopath or a doctor or a chiropractor that uses these type of technologies, you always know a random number generator, which is basically just spitting out stuff and it's random, so it's mm-hmm. not reproducible. So that's one thing to kind of know about the progression of technology. Before that, um, what was prior to that was radionics. So radionics was a way that through like a, a board, I don't have a good example, but like, let's say this is a metal plate that whenever someone resonated with someone, there was this weird phenomenon that happened that it would become, instead of smooth, it would become sticky. So if there was a resonance and they were testing, um, let's say a, a homeopathic remedy or C60 or something, if it resonated with a person, it would be a little sticky. Well, over time that turned into computer stuff. And that was about the, a guy that invented that. His name is Gabor Borlandzinski, And um, that was about now 22, 23 years ago. So it's not okay. new. So there was a lot of people that had stuff back then And there was Mm -hmm. a study called the Princeton Electronominally Research Study. And Princeton tried to actually disprove random number generator stuff, and they turned into proving it. And they became a company after these Princeton grads finished school. And they're still around, Paired, they're called Pair for short. And so people can still find those old, um, it's P-E-A-R, you know, for an acronym for Princeton Electro Anomaly Research. So, anyway, it's like a mouthful right here. <laughs> right. And I was like, try saying that 20 times. I <laughs> anyway, I use that technology. And then what happened was some people got smart and they said, okay, random number generator. And this, I was really big in like calculus and, uh, elementary analysis and statistics in school like I was one of those weird math people you know like (laughs) yeah yeah. I don't
1: know that's a weird thing to lie. statistics in college was hard I can't imagine like where your brain is like. I know I took it in high school because I was in <laughs> yeah, like no, way advanced it.
2: math, but mm-hmm. I got it immediately on random number generators because what they do is they spit out information. Okay. But if you think about it statistically, if you do something enough times, which a computer can do, okay. it takes out the randomness. Right. So then some <laughs> people got smart and said, Oh, we'll just do thirty thousand um scans and that takes out the randomness pattern even though there's a slight amount of randomness it wasn't like the early early technology and then some people started doing like light um information through light and Mm -hmm. then we do ai so ai is predictive and there's like there's actually a guy that i really like on the internet named cliff high and he does predictive linguistics And I've been really drawn to him since about 2010, since about the same time I've had new vision because he uses it as a way to predict things that are going to happen. Like Hmm. what, I mean, Hmm. he he said Bitcoin was going to be huge when it was $11. He actually predicted 50 or $60,000 back then. And everybody thought he was nuts. So he uses, it's, it's also an AI. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's an algorithm that measures information. So my software, and I own the, the company is I can put in your name, date of birth, place of birth, and then do a scan. And it finds a match of information to your like holographic representation that's in the software. And then cool. it spits out information and it says, is this suppressed or conscious? Is This is um, acute or chronic. And it gives me clues, which I do use. I mean, I do functional medicine, I right. do other stuff, but to do your assessment. lab work is actually very limited because mm-hmm. lab work does not usually test adrenal function. Even right. though sonophils can measure parasites, they don't know which parasite. There's a lot of limitation mm-hmm. to labs actually. And and it doesn't look at emotions at all. And right. from my background, I feel that ninety percent of our issues are emotional and ten percent mm-hmm. is the Dr. Peppers or the MSG or you know, the liver damage. The only thing I've, I've had an AO scan done. An AO scan is still a random number. It was, it was interesting. It was a very interesting process. Yeah, and there's have, a SIR, Some other ones are like a OSIRA, AO, like I mentioned NES, Introspect. Um, in Europe, there's DDFAO. So there's a number of scans. But it doesn't hold, doesn't hold your data very long. So it like literally like deletes your
1: data. I don't know if it really deletes your data, but you get like an email. And then that's it. Then it just,
2: the rest of your stuff disappears. I think that's because of the lack of reproducibility. I mean, mm-hmm. really when I hear a lot of stories about reproducibility and, and since I'm a very technical person, I also have an issue with people calling everything energy medicine. Right. And this goes right. back to right. my beginning in electronics, E equals mm-hmm. MC squared. There's a reason that there's an E there. <laughs> energy <laughs> is measurable by a voltmeter and oscilloscope. And I know people talk about scalar waves and blah, 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 but it's not really energy. It is something else. I'm not saying it's Mm -hmm. not nothing because Reiki is something, but it's not really energy. So i I actually have a problem with energy, but in what you're talking about, like when people tell me, well, we did the scan five minutes. So when I challenge someone and say it's a random number generator and they go back to whoever, (laughs) and I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying it's old technology. It's, it's trying to compare my new iPhone or fairly new iPhone to a flip phone. I mean, that's like what we're trying to compare. Well, I thought it was interesting because it did a scan of my blood, but it was, it was off
1: because my blood is probably tested like every three weeks It's probably how often it's tested. And so I was like, mm, I think that might be a little off a little bit, you know, but it's, it's fascinating to me that people like play with that, but in energy, you know, I'm part Apache Indian. So it's kind of like, what is energy, <laughs> you know, right. beyond the science, you know, and, and
2: where the science borders the spirituality. I would say, what is information? Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example. So on uh, a lot of times with like an AO scan, someone will say, Mm -hmm. well, you changed in five minutes. The the software didn't change, but you changed five minutes ago. And I'm going to say, if you didn't eat or poop or sleep, (laughs) you didn't change from five minutes ago. Right. There's nothing in (laughs) you that has transformed, but that's the reason that they give because they're trying to explain what's happening, but it's not a valid explanation, right? What's really happening with whether it's random number ger- generators or AI software or whatever, like tools, light therapy, um, and even rife frequencies. Now that is actually energy because those are measurable. Yeah. Right. is fascinating. Yeah. So that is energy though. Cause you can measure it. You can measure right. the Hertz within oscilloscope, but if I give you this remedy and I say, this is what you need to feel better. Okay. You can take it orally. And mm-hmm. so that's not really information, but it kind of is because you've already started thinking about vitamin E. You've mm-hmm. already, I've already said it's going to fix your hot flashes. Right. Your brain is already involved in the process, but is it really different than if I broadcast vitamin E to you through an AI software, it's sending it into your field. Or is it any different mm-hmm. than if I write vitamin E on your arm or put right. it on a piece of paper and you stick it in your bra? all of those are valid examples of me putting information into your field mm-hmm. to create a change. And it's not going to bypass free will. Like my, my programmer is in the Netherlands and, and he says this even the best is he says, you know, we can't change free will. If someone wants to be a mm-hmm. victim and someone wants to be sick and someone wants a lot of attention and ultimately some people right. want to die. We're not going to override that with anything,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: because it's, it's here. Mm-hmm. Again. It's in their programming. It's in their programming. But right. if we can put whether it's a digital note of information from a computer or a paper, mm-hmm. which is information in its purest form, but even all the homeopathic remedies today, they're information. There is nothing in them. That's mm-hmm. the big argument against them, is that there's nothing in them. It's like they're programmed to intention. They are exactly. You know. But what's intention and what's prayer is information. Mm-hmm. It's not energy.
1: so fascinating so
2: that's the thing is i think i think it's all fascinating but and we have we are so powerful people having information Mm. you know like um i'll tell you a a story i this and, and being at hannah's place definitely changed my mind when they said oh if you don't have the remedy just write it on a piece of paper and stick it in your pocket and the first time I went there and heard that, I was like, that is such bullshit. Like <laughs> what you're are they it talking into your field. about? Yeah. You're putting it your field. You're programming yourself. Right. Oh, makes but sense. when you don't know that that's possible, you start kind of going, these people are like smoking <laughs> something. Right. Cause or, you're not, what are they doing? Yeah. That's what are they stuff. doing? It's like weird. But I read in a hypnotist guild magazine, like 20 years ago, that there was a group of people at Mount Shasta and they were in a, on a, you know trek or something and they Mm -hmm. got into some poison ivy i don't know what they were doing but one of them was a homeopath and that also did hypnosis and none of them had remedies i don't have a store there they're in the middle of nowhere on mount Mount shasta and so they decided and i've heard this on a beach story too of another example but they just took a stick and rode in the dirt rust talks and then all but one person who said this is stupid stood in the circle and they had wrote Rust Talks in the dirt and they stood there for a few minutes. And all of them, the nine people out of 10 got better. And the one person who said that's the dumbest thing did not obviously get better. Again, it's they put themselves in the information. That's literally the best example I can think of of inserting Mm -hmm. yourself into information. And so we can, we all have the ability to do that. And it's no different than how prayer works. There's a prayer for someone, mm-hmm. like if I'm praying for you, you're the target of my prayer and there's... <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> exactly. And I'm not even using <laughs> date of birth or place of birth. All I have to know is, okay, I, I know what you look like. I know your name and I can send intention. So intention is super powerful. And the question is, how does this work with the pandemic? Because it
1: shows you the power of misinformation versus mm-hmm. truth information and and you know i always wonder like if benjamin franklin was alive today would he approve of our press? you know and and what's happening with the information that's being broadcast out because i feel like there's a lack of transparency and truth in some of it you know and it's a very fear-based consciousness program the fear-based consciousness mm-hmm. and it's so interesting to me in that way
2: so what do you think is like with covid like where What I think is a lot of people think they have COVID when they don't. And I think Mm -hmm. they're getting a lot of false positive testing. So what I'm seeing is people will have a cough and it might be they eat or something and triggered themselves or cheese. They start coughing and they're on this mission to get a positive test. It's like literally Mm -hmm. I've had people tell me I went to the urgent care and I got a negative test, but I didn't believe them. So I went to another one and I got a positive test. And they just chose to believe the positive test, even though that's kind of weird. You get two tests in one day, and one's negative and one's mm-hmm. positive, and they choose to go with the positive. So then they tell everybody, and then they self quarantine, and there's this whole drama about they have COVID. And I'm like, "Are you insane? You I like, included?
1: Is that what? Is? Yeah, yeah. Come you to want the to... COVID
2: party? Exactly. I Isn't call that? it communication. <laughs> it's like." Oh my gosh, my niece, one of my nieces, this happened to her at Thanksgiving and she got a positive test, a negative test and a positive test in one week.
0: Mm -hmm. And I'm
2: like, and she didn't come to Thanksgiving, you know, because she didn't want to get other people sick and no one, probably most people didn't want her there. I didn't really care because I didn't (laughs) get worried about getting sick and I've had, no, no sniffle, no cough. I've been, I mean, Texas is wide open. I go to Zumba. I go to HEP. I go to Costco. I go to the park every day with my dogs. I've had zero concern about getting it and I've not had a single day that I haven't felt perfect. Mm -hmm. So it's, I think it's in a lot of people's heads. You know, some people are totally shut down, not going anywhere, masking up, double masking, triple masking, even wearing gloves and then they get COVID. How's that possible? Right, right. You know, when they're doing, and now all these vaccinated people are getting COVID. You know, so now they have that extra layer of protection and they're in states that are still shut down and they're still wearing mask or double mask. Don't, I mean, you can't <laughs> convince me this isn't mental. Yeah, that's,
1: well, you know, it was interesting is in the very beginning of COVID, at, um, in I think in January, right? You know, before it really came out, we had a gentleman come in from mainland China to the spa and he was he was sick. And you know, the, the woman that owns the spa never gets sick. She'll tell you it's because she's from Pakistan and they eat so much curry and turmeric. They never get sick. She hadn't been sick in four years. She went down like the Titanic. Oh boy. I mean, she went really down. And then I was like, damn, <laughs> because I don't ever get sick either. And I was like, oh, really? I went down and I went, we went and had it because I was like, do you think it's COVID? So we went to the test. We both tested positive. And then I went and did my blood work and I tested negative and it was like a week later I was like yeah I don't think I have COVID I think it's called super pneumonia you know it's like the Hulk version of pneumonia Mm -hmm. and I was like no this is out I'm gonna take my selenium I'm gonna take my baby aspirin and my zinc and my oregano, and I'm out and I was I was fine within like two weeks um however my nephew caught it and then my sister my sister probably had it the longest never touched my mother
2: well, the funny thing that you're saying that is my, my friend Maria, who is the one co-teaching with me and us Park part next week, she um, got sick. She never went to go get the test mm-hmm. because we also feel like that some of the testing is contaminating people. So uh, I can't prove that. But oh, if it's on the swab, that's yeah, a good point. Exactly. So she didn't get tested, but she was really sick. And it was in the second week of her sickness that she was like, mm-hmm. I have plugged into this morphogenetic field of having COVID. Like, you know, because she's like feeling like, you know, she's starting to question things. She's starting to have fear about it. She's starting to go, why am I not getting well? I'm doing all the things I know to do. And then she like woke up one day, this is kind of a funny story. She woke up and she was like, I have plugged into this mentally. And so as soon as she realized that she had bought into it, Mm -hmm. she started feeling better. Like as soon as she can, it's almost like you're here in this group And as Mm -hmm. soon as she had the mindset to step out of that group, she she was back to normal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty crazy. I'll tell you something Dr. Homer says, who is the founder of German New Medicine. He says that there's only 10% of sickness is poisoning. Like Mm -hmm. you're poisoning yourself. Let's say with a vaccine or MSG, or you do something purposefully to yourself. 90% is mental. Mm
0: -hmm. And he had
2: something to say about pandemics. He said that, you know, who gets, um, let's say, chicken pox? Right. First graders who have all left their mommies or their comfort zone and they go to school mm-hmm. for the first time. And a lot of them have separation anxiety and separation conflict. Isn't this a huge separation issue right now? Is that uh, an isolation? And, yeah. Yeah, the isolation. And anytime there's been, you know, any of these past supposedly pandemics, mm-hmm. They always started and ended in the country of origin that was having like an economic issue like the chinese the bird flu Mm -hmm. or the swine flu that was mexico and then the bird flu was is china but they were going through some things there and they said oh it's going to wipe out the world it's going to affect everybody and it never did Mm -hmm. what was different about covid was it did affect the whole world it was not isolated to one country it was it, it did Spread a lot of places because of the media and because of the fear. So, what mm-hmm. I would say, and this is based on Dr. Homer and German New Medicine, is that a lot of what's going on right now is fear. It's the mental thing that we're affected, we could die, we're gonna die, you know, da 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 da. Anyway. <laughs> <you're>, exactly. But <laughs> if you're overweight, if you have diabetes, mm-hmm. you know, so they're even telling you which ones are going to get sick. So what Mm -hmm. does that do? That preconditions you. That's like a doctor telling you you have six months to live. Your brain starts counting down the days.
0: You know, Mm -hmm. so if
2: you're glued to the TV and the TV is telling you if you're African-American, if you're Native American, if you're diabetic, if you're this and this, you don't have very good chances. Hearing that is not helpful because your body starts the process of, Oh, I'm in that category. That's something's going to happen mm-hmm. to me. So that's what I think this is. I think this right. is one big fear campaign and it's affecting a lot of people that have plugged into mm-hmm. that thought process. Now, sometimes people will say, and maybe you too will say, but I didn't, I didn't really have fear at that time, but you could have still had exposure to something, you know, <laughs> the woman that owned the spa, she exposed Exactly. <laughs> yeah. like, I stepped into her energy, but, but yeah. you know, if someone, but you could also have been thinking subconsciously. She never gets sick. She got sick.
1: Yeah. I wonder I if I'm
2: gonna get sick? You see? Yeah. So we, it, it's almost like the person who says, "Oh, I can eat we anything can. and I don't gain weight." If you have that yeah. mindset, you really can't eat anything mm-hmm. and can gain weight. But that's different than the person who says, "Everything I eat goes right to my butt." Well, guess what? Everything they eat does mm-hmm. go to their butt. That,
1: well, you know, and it's so interesting, too, because what I've noticed with patients is that they seem to do better if they don't know. Mm-hmm. There's something about the not knowing because the moment they tell someone that they've got cancer or something, you can just see the look that comes across their face or the disappointment. Or I'm like, oh, you know, I because mm-hmm. I i like I've known people who they're like I knew someone that had a brain aneurysm and the odds of them even making it to the hospital where he just like slimming up, made it, went through surgery, suffered a stroke in surgery. I mean, came out in a in a place where, you know, most people don't even function at that point and is now walking and talking and driving mm-hmm. because I refuse to sell them the story of the statistics or if you at that point. And it's the same thing, you know, we're talking about diabetes earlier. There are people I know that have diabetes and I refuse to sell them the statistics of morbidity that come with COVID. Right. Because I don't want to program that
2: into their energy field. Well, I don't want to program either people that got vaccinated or not, you know, because there's all that judgment about that too. Someone tells me they've been vaccinated, great. Like if someone hasn't been vaccinated, great. Right. Because I don't want to put in their field my... Judgment either way, I have mm-hmm. my opinions for sure, but no one needs to know my opinions because how is that helpful? You know, if a good mm-hmm. friend of mine got jabbed or not, <laughs> they need to be happy with that decision, right? You know, right. not worry about, oh, great, now I'm gonna have this or that, or great, now I'm gonna. I didn't, you know, whatever. I, I don't even want to share that and put that in. I mean, people hear that and see that all the time anyway, Mm -hmm. but the more, like I said, the more they buy into it, 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 you can hear one thing, one time and be affected. This is totally different. People are hearing this 1 million times between the last 18 months. They've literally heard these stories over and over and over. So it is brainwashing at that point. Well, yeah, and it establishes a new baseline because the baseline
1: has always been your body, your choice. This is what America is. We're a free country. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we have our limitations in that. But within that, you have sovereignty over your body and your choice. And whether you get the vaccine or not, I respect your decision, period. It's your body, right? You know, and I, and I respect that. However, I'm not a fan of the mandates. And I'm not a fan of, you know, the government or corporations saying, well, you can't work if you don't have this vaccine. Um, Last I looked, we're not China, and we're we're not a communist country. So people need to protect the sovereignty and their, their health freedom really is where I see that
2: challenge. I think it's pretty interesting too, because with HIPAA, that's what HIPAA is. HIPAA is the Privacy Act, the Health Privacy Act. Mm-hmm. And prior to COVID, you couldn't even. Ask, I mean, you couldn't even ask one if they were pregnant, like applying for a job. Right. You couldn't Legal. ask people any health questions whatsoever. And now it's so common. I mean, I get asked all the time. Did you get the vaccine? Well, it's none of your damn business. Right. <laughs> you probably guess that what I did and didn't do, but. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't believe it. You can be in a grocery store or you can be, I can be in a Zuma class. Did you get your vaccine? And I'm like, that's none of your business, you know? So why is that now not part of HIPAA? You know, HIPAA was a big deal when it came out. It actually became Mm -hmm. a little bit of a pain with HIPAA because you couldn't even call Like My brother's in a nursing home. I couldn't even call for him to do something for him to help my brother because of HIPAA. So it Mm -hmm. was so restricted that a wife couldn't call for her husband. I couldn't call for my, br- my brother. My mom couldn't call for my brother. You know, we had to mm-hmm. having a power of attorney, a medical power of attorney. Right. And now that's all out the window. Yeah. You know, it seems like, like no one cares
1: anymore. I think, and the other thing I look at is like vaccine experimentation. Like you don't, there's always someone out there that has a wicked... <laughs> and so you always want to just protect, you know, n- normally the vaccine protocols like 10 to 15 years before it comes mm-hmm. out to the public. So it really surprised me as rushed and as fast as it came out, does this set a really des- dangerous precedent for medicine?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and so then people turn to more natural methods of being healthy. So what are some of your suggestions for, you know, maintaining your health and well-being during this time?
2: Okay, so that's a great question. So the number one thing if you can't afford to do anything else is vitamin D. I mean, all the research shows that all the people that have had serious illness had vitamin D deficiency. I get labs on at least half of my clients and at least half of those. So 25% of my clients, I would say it's 50% of the population has vitamin D deficiency because everybody's indoors. If they go outside, they're fully clothed. You're not getting vitamin D fully clothed, walking your dog, you know, 15 minutes a day. That's, Mm. you're not getting any vitamin D. You have to be sunbathing, you know, so in a bathing suit, not sitting in your backyard, reading a book under a shade tree. That's, that doesn't count. So (laughs) Most Americans are vitamin D deficiency. First of all, and vitamin D is fat soluble. So also if you have any issues digesting fat, like if you're blood type a, or you don't have a gallbladder, you have known liver issues. You're also going to probably be vitamin D deficient. If you have Hashimoto's, you're going to be vitamin D deficient. The vitamin D is the number one thing. If you can't do anything else that you should be doing. And that's agreeable by doctors, natural people. I mean, everybody across and literally. Reports from Israel, China, America, South America have also the same thing. My other two recommendations, and definitely the first, like no one should skip D, is zinc and quercetin. Zinc is the reason people are losing taste and smell. This has been true forever on the flu. Um, I do want to say one thing about Zycam. I highly don't recommend it because Zycam actually blocks zinc receptor sites. And some mm-hmm. people that take Zycam have had permanent loss of taste and smell there's class action lawsuits against them so i don't want to knock them just to knock them but that is a zinc issue but if if someone has gotten sick and lost taste and smell and especially lingering taste and smell that's usually zinc so you want to make sure zinc is there also, zinc is not really prevalent in our foods. The foods high in zinc are paprika, oysters, and sunflower seeds. And no one really eats those all the time. The sunflower seeds. Well, then you should be eating them. <laughs> and paprika. I love paprika. I do put paprika on food like several times a week, but not every day, You know. It's been a while since I've had some oysters, though. Well, there you go. And we got good oysters in Texas. So mm-hmm. uh, good places to get oysters. So, But it's not something that people eat daily, you know, like beef or chicken. Um, and and then, then you go get an oyster. Go to the boat. The boat <laughs> is on your way yeah. home um and then quercetin has an action that is i'm not gonna say it's the same thing but has an action similar to quinine which is in hydroxychloroquine and it has a specific action that has to do with covid so uh, right behind me here I was like is that grapefruit yeah. it, it's similar because it's made um from grapefruit peel uh, okay so okay. there is a grapefruit like, component so to quinine so quercetin is Easy to get, um, not expensive. This is like 20 some dollars. Um, and then so that, that would be my my go-to. Now, one other thing that I'm only been recommending this year, I didn't really know too much about it last year, but NAC, which is in acetylcysteine. And there are other NAC things, but not in L-carnitine, but in acetylcysteine, is helpful and natto kinase is helpful in the whole um spike protein thing so whether you've been vaccinated or you're exposed to someone that's been vaccinated and people use spike protein in the news and talk about spike protein Mm -hmm. and what's happening here is you have let's say this is a cell and you have a the covid or whatever enter the cell and then it starts replicating it's that's what an mrna thing does it starts replicating Mm -hmm. so whether you believe COVID is man-made or not uh, or the vaccine you still have either from COVID exposure or vaccine you have a similar process and I'm giving you a very simple explanation but it starts like re- replicating and, and opening the other cells okay so NAC stops that from happening so it stops the progression it doesn't stop you from getting it it doesn't immune boost your immune system specifically but it stops the progression a very mm-hmm. interesting thing I think is it since COVID came out, the FDA stopped Amazon from selling NAC. NAC is not available on Amazon and NAC is getting very hard to get. I have had four different companies that I've bought NAC through this year because I'll buy it, they're out. I'll buy another one, they're out. I'll buy another one and then they don't get any more. Like Literally it says, we'll let you know when it comes in and they never let me know. Hmm. So it's getting hard to get. I would say get some, it's not an expensive product, Um, It runs about 11 to 20 something dollars, so it's not expensive. And one thing that NAC does, um, I'm not sure why the FDA stopped it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they actually had, they're wanting doctors only to prescribe NAC, which would never happen. I do think there's two reasons. One is the spike protein, but -hmm. the other reason is NAC has this unique ability to repair liver damage from medications. So if you have liver damage because of your, um, Tylenol PM or your Advil or your, um, opiates or your gabapentin NAC is, um, it does, It is a detoxifier, but it does more of a repair of the liver. So people that first start taking it, if they have liver damage, they might feel like they're in a little bit of a liver detox. So they might feel a little bit cruddy at first, but that would be very normal if you have liver damage. If you've had liver damage and you try to detox, you're going to have some, you know, maybe fatigue, maybe congestion. But that's normal because of what it does for the liver but it's a very unique product and i think people should know about it
1: so i heard covid was hard on the heart the vaccine is hard on the heart mm-hmm. are there any recommendations you have
2: for like strengthening your heart Natokinase, kinase um you know some people are getting the blood clots and getting um um thrombosis basically and other um they're saying uh, i have some friends in darkfield microscopy work in other states they've told me they've seen stuff under the microscope they've never seen before and i've mm. seen it too on a video out of germany but basically the way they describe so you should have little uh, free-floating red blood cells like little you know, circles under microscope and they're moving along and they're happy and poofy and you know, yeah, they're not like all stuck <laughs> together. Okay. All stuck together is a blood clot and that's because you're dehydrated or acidic mm-hmm. or you have poor blood quality or anemia can cause blood clots. So what they're seeing under microscope is different though. They've never seen it. They're seeing blood clots that are um, kind of flat, like in, um, is it cystic fibrosis? No, there's a, there's a medical condition. um, Hmm. It'll come to me. It's where the sickle cell In sickle cell anemia blood cells go into like a, almost like a crescent moon shape. And that's how, you know, they have sickle cells, how their blood looks under a microscope. Okay. Imagine a bunch of blood um, cells. that instead of being round and poofy, they look like lifesavers and they start stacking. And it's like a string of flattened, red blood cells stuck together long ways. Mm-hmm. And then you have three or four of those because these are weird blood clots. Like no one's, this is not naturally forming. Mm-hmm. So this is something they're seeing in dark field work. Um, also doctors that look at blood under microscopes, like pathologists are seeing this, never seen it before. Um, and I mean, some of these women have been doing dark field for, you know, more than 20 years. So I would say like natto kinase, um, vena, um, mm-hmm. These are products that stop the fiber. It's like, um, we're talking <laughs> and I never could say it. So it's like, it's the sticky kind of quality of a blood clots. Um, if you're on water. And drink water, for sure. But if you're on a blood thinner, you should be careful. Like, you can't take certain things if you're on a blood thinner so i should say that but this is basically a natural blood thinner and if you're not going to stop the blood clotting weirdness but you want the best chance you can of having healthy blood
0: mm-hmm.
2: and so it's probably good for people to get out and exercise a little bit too
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah fresh air well exercise definitely improves circulation but you know some of these kids these young kids i'm going to say with the vaccine They're on the computer playing yeah. video games yeah and mm-hmm they went and got the shot. And these are 20 something year olds that have had blood clots. Some coffee and tea and those are dehydrating. Right. They are not even counted as fluids.
1: Well, you know, it's funny, when, not funny, but when people go out of the ER because they're just dehydrated, you know? And I'm like, one of the simplest things you could do is like boil your water at night, let it cool to, in the morning and just pour it into your water bottle mm-hmm. and then take it, take it with you. Or if you have to, if you're one of the night people, do it at night. Mm-hmm. You know, and that way you have it when you leave and you get enough water because some people, you know, your heart is like the engine in a car issue.
2: You know, so you have to take extra care of yourself. Last year was a little different, you know, because there was a lot of not knowing what was going on and mm-hmm. more, you know, you'd hear, like, I listen to a lot of people, so i would hear literally <laughs> from all over the world and, you know, Klinghart would say something. He's very popular with Lyme disease and there would be someone else that would say something. Mm-hmm. French guy that said something and it, there was just... It's a lot of opinions, you know, but what happened by the end of last year was all the opinions really a lot easier to feel confident, right? Or what I'm recommending to people is right. Also last year was a big transition period just from people like coming here or, um, you know, doing normal stuff like going to their health food store. And then there was like people not going anywhere, you know, so right. now everyone's doing Zoom. Everyone's doing long distance. So it just is a lot different. I like in-person better, which we talked about too. I don't have very many people come out to Katie anymore, but I do have lots of phone calls and stuff like that with people. And, you know, also I think all the people that have plugged into the alternative approaches, Mm -hmm. it's amazing to me how many people are helping so many other people. Like that's what I love is one of Hannah's phrases, Hannah Kroger was, heal thyself and then help others and that's out of the bible and i've seen it so much i've seen people you know buy uh, products for their whole family or their best friend or their brother who you know getting sick all the time and they've become now there so i think that's what's really awesome is that people are learning and they're taking more control and also what's happened is because people had a hard time getting into doctors, doctor appointments were canceled. They didn't want people to come in in person or whatever. People have really started looking at other options to help themselves. So they're, Mm. you know, for their diabetes or for their high blood pressure or whatever. So people are really out there looking for other ways because they realize that when they can't go get their knee replacement because the surgery is, you know, scheduled a year from now, they're like, well, what else can I do?
1: Right. You know they have
2: to find other ways
1: to take accountability for their mm-hmm. health one of my favorite quotes is before you heal someone have you asked them if they're willing to give up what made them sick mm-hmm. and i was like that is so powerful yep. Like, such a true thing but it's amazing to me because you're in service to so many people mm-hmm. you know and then it never
2: stops you know? No, it doesn't stop it, and i heard a similar quote the other night that Had to do with, um, you know, when you have that first headache or you have that first symptom, your body is telling you something, but we ignore the symptom and we keep doing what we're doing instead of looking for, well, what did that? you know, was it the new protein drink I started drinking? Or was it the, you know, new place I started ordering pizza or whatever. And people right. go, Oh, well, dang, I have a headache. Let me keep doing what I'm doing. And then it's something else. And then it's something else. And the next thing you know, they're on five medications a day. And it, mm. you know, like even like a great examples, acid reflux and heartburn and GERD, those are so common and that's just food. Right. It's just what they're eating. You know, now there's a commercial on TV. I saw like a few days ago. You can have that chocolate cake. You just take your medication, you know, Nexium or whatever, and it's like the chocolate cake is the problem. You know, why would you take a medication? So you get a gluten-free cake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know. But you know, here's the commercial saying, "Don't change anything. Do do what you were doing." But this is true in diabetes. You know, when my grandfather was diabetic in the '70s. He can have half a cup of starch a day. Mm-hmm. Half a cup's not very much of anything, especially in German and a German household. That's like one kolachi and then no more potatoes or rice <laughs> or anything. Today, they, they don't tell you that. They say, oh, if you want um, Cheerios or you want chocolate cake, you know, just give yourself more insulin pumps. They're not at all trying to prevent the condition. And some of my clients will come in and their glucose is at like 120. And the doctors say, don't do anything different. Just keep doing what you're doing. And when it hits 127, We'll give you some metformin. And if that doesn't work, we'll give you insulin. And they make money off the pills. They actually pull metformin
1: because they found out it had a carcinogen in it. Is it out now? Mm-hmm. They I didn't it even for know that. Yeah, yeah, they did a recall. And, you know, it's interesting because my grandfather went in and out of the hospital. He's, he's Italian. He went in and out of the hospital like four times during COVID. Never caught COVID. And he'll tell you he's an Italian like because he, you know, he, they're from Sicily. So, you know, he just never gets sick. But he takes baby aspirin day, he goes, Lexi, I was surrounded by COVID patients. I didn't get anything. You know, and I think it's because it's also his consciousness. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, forget that. He's like, I survived the iron lung. You know, this is nothing. (laughs) in 87. So it amazes me that mentality of how you stay
2: positive and everything. I do it's, it's everything. I have several clients who are over 100 years old and I can tell you that the common element with them is they love their life. Common theme with them is they get up and they, they're they active and they they go, I mean, one of them on her um, 100th birthday through the first pitch of a, a baseball amazing. game. amazing. I know, but they, they go to the, the gym or they go to the spa and they have lunch with their 20 year younger girlfriends and they go dancing and they have a little whiskey and they have bacon <laughs> and eggs for breakfast. I mean, one of the guys is a smoker. you know but he's not like he enjoys smoking you know he just it's like that's what i would say people have to enjoy what they're doing if you're gonna do something that i mean there's so much judgment about everything people are like love your life exactly people don't even know what to eat anymore you know they're (laughs) like i can't eat this i can't eat that then i'm like that is i'm sad you know i eat really healthy but when i don't i don't i always want to i when I
1: ask someone who was 100 can you take me back to the basics like your meal portions were like really small back in the day because my grandmother was tiny yeah you know and i look at like someone like joel osteen's mother she's so petite like her little bone structure and i have patients who's they're teeny teeny tiny you know i'm like i want to know what y'all ate because it was just basic meal it wasn't you know we kind of go all over the
2: Right, they're not they weren't de- they're never depriving themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like bacon and fried eggs and then, you know, a little <laughs> whiskey or a little glass of wine at dinner, yeah. but they're not drinking three bottles of wine. No. They're just doing, you know, whatever it is that makes them happy. And that's the thing is usually when uh one of the people I can also remember, she was 107, was one of my my mentors when mm-hmm. I went through my ND degree. She was a gypsy and her specialty was animals. She was the queen of England's um pet person and Rod Stewart. And I mean, she had a lot of people 107. 107 and she would sit there. She would, I still to this day think of her very fondly. Um, this was 20 years ago, so I'm sure she's not around anymore, but she was, um, she would laugh first and then tell a story and then laugh and then tell a story. And we just, I mean, she was in like a, a chair and we were all sitting around her just listening. And what I thought was, oh my God, what an awesome person. She would laugh at herself first or laugh at the story and then tell it because as soon as she thought of the story it made her laugh, so she was always laughing. And, and her day was kind of like what I described, but she said, I just wish the queen and Rod would stop calling me because I just want to be in my little garden and (laughs) I just want to sleep in, I I just (laughs) want to do like nothing and, you know, hang out. And, but I'm sure it was her being busy and her just loving her life, you know? And she said, as a young girl, she was in she was in a Scottish uh, gypsy. Like, she was a gypsy, like a real gypsy, you know, like um, back in so the day. So cool. like the caravan gypsy. Yeah, the caravan gypsy, gypsy in Scotland. Mm-hmm. and And she was supposedly a bad girl, so she... <laughs> had to go. Oh, like it. her
1: even more. That's what she exactly like. Exactly. And she had that little look
2: in her eye. Like you could tell she was kind of probably a rebel, but she, since she was always bad, she was always having to clean out the animal bins <laughs> and that's how she learned to work with animals. And okay. then she got to where, I guess she could communicate with animals, but it all started with being bad, you know, but that was the thing is it just her personality <laughs> and her love for life, you know, that's why I, And in 107, there was nothing wrong with her. And her mind was sharp. She could recall stories from 80 years earlier. You know, so I think that that's what, you know, that's what our goal should be joy, joy, and and enjoy Mm -hmm. and enjoy what we're doing and eating. I mean, you can't just do everything bad. I mean, stay in your house all the time and stay in your house all the time and be (laughs) fearful, but enjoy what you're doing. If you're going to do something you shouldn't be doing, at least enjoy it. You know, like, you know, I mean, I get smoking and stuff and I'm not even trying to be judgmental about that because it's everyone beating up on the smoker. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that lung cancer is a lot of things, but not just smoking. Right. Like, do you love what you're doing? Do you love that cigarette? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Anything else you want to share? Um, No, I would just say that unplug, you know, unplug from negative things and unplug from TV and unplug from judgment and just don't get wrapped up in it and don't be the one doing it. So just be neutral, try to be neutral. I would say that that's one thing I've learned in my life is that the key to mastery and mastery means a lot of things, but mastery is being neutral because the less reactive we are and just pissed off and angry and reacting to things out of side of our control, the more we're all wound up inside. You know, so if you can be neutral with all this stuff going on around you, some people think I'm I'm like an ostrich with my head in the sand. I know exactly what's going on. You know, I mean I Yeah, you do. I'm in I just, the data. <laughs> I'm in the data. I am the data i can not
1: avoid it. You but the data. <laughs> I
2: do not react to it. I just am like Whatever, like you know, a baby, like, yeah, exactly. let it, just let it flow, just let it flow, and it's not affecting me. You do know, you that's do the affirmations. Thing. I do a lot of affirmations, and okay. I use flower essences. I mean, if I feel affected, I affirmations are my thing. I mean, um, uh, flower essences. I have one by Desert Alchemy called Universe Handles the Details that I Live On. <laughs> that is the name I of like that. it. She's an artist, so I thought you might know her, but she did, um a lot of stuff. And she's down in Montrose and a long, long time ago, she told me I needed this remedy universe handles the details. And it's funny because now with my software, it says I need it too. So she was very good actually, but it's it's when things are feel overwhelming or you feel like things are outside of your control or you don't have enough time in a day. And it's, it's just weird. I take it in. It's like, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm fine. It's magical really. So that's my go-to when things feel heavy. Do you have a go-to meditation? No. I find <laughs> that if if I am meditating, I'm doing more of an intention, I would mm-hmm. say. So I'm not a great meditator because my mind starts thinking about Running. my to-do list. How are you or, with hypnosis? Uh, oh, and I can be centered. <laughs> you when go it, down. You go down, it, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can do really good. I mean, I'm very focused. It's not that I'm not focused. It's just that if I do have uh, meditation at night, I'm usually tired. I mean, cause it's usually right, by 11 yeah, or 12 by the time I stop. But there's not that time. Mm-hmm. And then Lindsay's here, you know, so it's, it's just the way my schedule is. So I would say more, I'm good at intentioning Okay. so I can be quiet with myself those five minutes in bed and say, what do I want to intend today? You know, mm-hmm. how do I want today to be? I don't think that's a lot different. Meditation, right. but it's not a 20 or 30 minute or hour thing.
1: I have a joyful day today or an amazing yeah.
2: day today. Today's super easy. Um mm-hmm. I've even had, I'll tell you how good it is. Sometimes, sometimes I'll say, I wish, or I don't want my day to be as busy as it is. And I'll have people cancel. So I have to be <laughs> careful of intentioning because I've done right. that a few times. Like, dang, I, you know, I wish I had time to run to Costco. And then I'll get two phone calls that people have to cancel because of emergencies or something. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that did it, <laughs> and, you know, so I'm happy about it because I needed the time, you know? Mm-hmm. So we have to, even in those little moments, we have to be careful about what, what we we're wish for saying and wishing, even though in those cases I'm always happy about it, you know, but right. sometimes yeah. if I say, you know, um, <laughs> I need something, it just shows up. It's weird. A retreat center it just shows up and it manifests yeah if anyone watching this has any
1: uh power about that please let me know <laughs> right you want to manifest a healing center So yes you know yeah a community we're we're gonna be we're gonna set the intention for that one you yeah know? someone shows up with the land or donates that's on, right you know Kind of amazing. Yeah. My name is Lex Lamar. I'm with the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture and Artist. I'm here with Dr. Gwen Foster, and today she is going to read the
2: 2021 Poetic State Address. I'm going to say that um, this is um, something that I read a version of, and I thought it was very accurate for now. So it is. We started with plants and herbs and natural foods, and then we went to surgeries, antibiotics and fast foods. Now our bodies are screaming and need help and we're moving back to plants and herbs and natural foods. Hmm. That's beautiful. Easy. <laughs> Easy peasy but to the point. Yeah. Sending an intention for a hundred years from now for yeah. medicine. I think that's where it's going. I think I, I think that what is happening today is going to be a lot like bloodletting. You know, a lot of people don't realize this, but George Washington, our first president, died from bloodletting. That was actually his cause of death. Really? And yes, and it's a it was a very barbaric practice with little leeches. Uh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and And it is coming back, I know, but he bled to death from that, but you know we I think in a hundred years we're gonna think that about chemo, and we're gonna think that about a lot of things that I personally think are barbaric today and mm-hmm. and we're gonna get back to our natural selves one way or the other, and I think that um the earth kind of has some say so over that, like. You know I, I just think that that's the way it's going i wonder why bloodletting was so popular it was saying that the
1: energy of the body so you, if you release out of one side it removes all the negative energy out of one side and then you've got to do the other side mm-hmm. and so that way you have
2: that balance And i wonder if any of that Kind of played into some of that belief system back then i don't know but i think with him also i think that there was bloodletting with leeches but in in some cases they actually would just cut you and i think that part of their belief and be like slicing you open they weren't very sterile back then though no i know but, <laughs> they didn't even wash their hands but their belief was <laughs> they let enough blood out you would purge the infection but still stay alive hmm. and in george washington's case he they bled them out too much and so they basically killed him. You're, I mean, I hear horror stories all the time. It's like practicing yeah. medicine—that's why it's called practicing medicine. Right. They're still
1: practicing. <laughs> exactly. We did a lot to get to where we are today. That's why you want to protect your health, free. Right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not going to repeat any of them, but every week I hear a story that's happened during surgery or during a, a procedure mm-hmm. or the side effects of medications that are just so horrible I can't even. I mean talk about hearing conflict you know like there's a definitely for me it's a hearing conflict or looking at my phone in the morning and seeing pictures that people send me and I'm like okay really what I just see happened? That. exactly I don't want to see their tapeworms in their toilet you know or the stuff some stuff that I see but I feel like um we are <laughs> going to look back being a exactly you know sometimes <laughs> you know? you're like, but I Good really hope going. in 40 years yeah. that we go back to these natural processes and then only go back to medicine when the natural processes don't work, which is still not bloodletting. What about cupping? Not bloodletting. (laughs) I like like the cupping where they light it. I'm like, Oh, that looks so cool. But don't worry. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But you know, in Europe, I know some homeopaths and doctors and they're still very natural before. Mm -hmm. And I went to China, I've been to China several times and their, their healthcare uh, utilization of medications is under 40%. Ours is 80%. So I think theirs is actually under 30%. Um, And the medication, the pharmaceutical companies are all over wanting to push their agenda in China, but China is still very heavy and traditional Chinese medicine and herbs that they have the pharmaceutical companies have not taken over yet. So, and I don't think Mm -hmm. they will because the mindset even of the government is different. But I think that, you know, that's how I feel is that we need to know how to heal our bodies. And if the food is bothering you, we need to know not to eat that food or whatever we're doing, you know, that, is is causing the problems
1: yeah i find it i you just made me think about the how they do product medicine i was talking to a healer about this and i said if you notice that they never actually they don't hover and they don't touch you with their finger they touch the edge of the needle with their finger now and you can watch the sorry the energy yeah <laughs> you can watch it come off the little the tip but they never
2: touch it with their own
1: energy point. fascinating
2: mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of cool do stuff you know right dr there. stewart i do okay yeah. stein Oh yeah. He's awesome. Anyone yeah, i watching this. He's amazing. He's a, he's
1: great with like trauma and stuff. So if I get severe cases, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here a long
2: time. Like I think in the world, he might know more about anatomy and physiology mm-hmm. and what's connected to what I've seen him do things like with a pinky that had to do with the left shoulder or something that seems totally weird, but he, he, I don't know if it's intuition. I definitely don't think it's learned because he does stuff and knows stuff. Body. Well, he oh, studied yeah. in China too. He
1: went to China and studied for quite a while. Um, but he's he's amazing. He's, mm-hmm. a, I've seen him do stuff with patients that like that they were on the brink of probably not staying around very long, and, it, and just having them adjusted and getting them back into the flow of their body mm-hmm. has been pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff. And like I said, I'm not going to say, I think there's a lot of stuff going on in our field. Like mm-hmm. I know that people want to say energy field and I'm going to say that if you think of like, um, you have this, you can say whatever you want information field, energy field, or filled <laughs> your like, egg,
1: your egg bubble. Your, your bubble. That's what they call an energy. Bubble. Yeah. It's the heft. So, the energy so
2: if you have this and it's carrying all these pieces of information which is your history and it's still there because you have not let it go then you're walking around with a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. you know so it's okay to call it whatever you want to call it but it's um to me it's information it's like what you're still carrying around and also what are you feeding yourself? a lot of um, dysfunction and trauma in your past or just bad things have happened or whatever that that you know you know who's from houston that has a good way of explaining it is don clark and don clark is a psychotherapist and shaman and she used to be in houston in kingwood but now she's in california and she could see the body i can't i don't have that ability but she said that every time something would happen to you it's like taking a piece of you and then your field mm-hmm. looks like swiss cheese because you have all these holes in the field and you're not holing it anymore you're you're fragmented but you're trying to walk mm-hmm. around and talk and act like you're normal And you got missing stuff. And so a lot of people don't realize that because they can't, they don't have her ability. But I do think that that's true, that we're a lot of us are like Swiss cheese. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we have holes and can't figure out, you know, what's wrong. Another thing I'll say in the psychology department is that a lot of people are so focused on like one thing that they might have actually healed that thing a long time ago, Mm -hmm. but there's other pieces that they're ignoring completely like being fragmented. Yeah. Yeah. Like fragmented. Like I had a lady, the best example of this is a lady in Colorado. And, um, this was, she had a lot of anxiety. She was very depressed and suicidal. Um, and, she had seen her young daughter get killed. Like she visually, and when the car got T-boned, her daughter died, but the mother, the other mother and the young girl in the car almost were not hurt at all. It was just a freak accident. And Mm -hmm. she had been, but when I met her, she had been working on um, depression and and grief for a very long time Wow, and did not show up. Mm -hmm. What showed up was visual conflict. And okay, Mm -hmm. this may sound strange, But let's say someone had this thing and she'd been through psychotherapy, kind of technique you can think of in in 13 years. And it did not show any grief, but she was convinced that grief was her problem. What showed up was the exact words, I'll never forget it, severe visual separation conflict. And so I said to her, what does this mean to you? And she started bawling and she said, I see that accident play over and over in my head. I see the crash. When I wake up in the morning, I see the crash. When I'm laying in bed on PTSD and it's trauma wow. that she can't get out of her head. And mm-hmm. so we did a technique that had to do with clearing um, visual trauma and um, which is an NLP process. And right. then that NLP was is powerful. It's super powerful it, when you can identify mm-hmm. what it is, but see everyone else was just listening to her saying, with which her. was reinforcing. Yeah, right. constantly reinforcing and and what happened after that was the next time I saw her she seemed very different and I and I said "Um, so how do you feel and she goes I don't don't know and I said well do you feel different I didn't even want to to talk to you last Mm -hmm. and so and I wasn't going to bring it up and I said well how's your mood and new information right because I didn't want to put it back in her field Mm -hmm. you know well somehow like in a roundabout way she wasn't Mm -hmm. seeing it anymore So her body was able to come out of fight or flight and be more neutral, which is an issue with PTSD. Right. You You see
1: that in a lot of the veterans clients that come Mm -hmm. into the float tanks and stuff
2: and reliving it.
1: Yeah. They, they, they'll even get startled by the jets in the water, you know, just because they're so Mm hypervigilant, you know, and trying to, you know, bring the body back to a place of serenity and rewrite the story, Mm -hmm. you know, can we rewrite the story? it's true and try to give people peace of mind you know because i think doing any kind of healing work and where you're such a blessing to people is you're showing up in the service of love you know you're showing up that's what medicine is, is as interesting as medicine is on many fields you know and when you do healing work it's really a show for the service of love so thank thanks. you for that thank you and for surviving coronacation you know <laughs> with your sanity intact even though you're incredibly busy. We're going to keep surviving it, too. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Thanks for listening to Charity Network News with Lex Lumiere. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out online. Or please leave a review. Join us again next week. Until then, focus on creating solutions and making a positive impact in the world with your presence. Be kind, volunteer, pay it forward and keep shining your love light.